Hello, everybody, and welcome to Grand Slam KBO, our weekly podcast on the Korean Baseball League. This is week 11 for us as the 10 teams get ready for the start of a two-game series from here through to the middle of September. There's a lot to go through after another wet week on the Korean Peninsula. There were trades, fans returning, and in some cases, fans locked out again. Multiple dips and spikes in form, and potentially, it looks like the league will have a new leader at the summit of the table in the coming days. Off the field, it hasn't been a good seven days in Korea as COVID-19 cases have jumped massively. We can get onto that in a little bit, but we're thankful that we still have baseball to watch in these troubling times. The record monsoon season is over, so hopefully a wonderful finale to what has already been a very interesting season. My name is Andrew Farrell, and I'm here today with uniform tier list creator extraordinaire, Matthew Kerr. Hi, Matthew. Hello, hello. How is the internet today? The internet, the internet is great, and um, I just have to quickly backtrack there. You have to fill us in a little bit more information there as well. So, at the latest, the latest tier list, who would have thought that a team as uh, recent as the KT Wiz would have so many uniforms? Um, I didn't. I was planning to get that video. For those of you who don't know, KBO Ranked is a series that I do every probably two every month and a half to two months we've got Lotte out Samsung out and the third one was Katie Wiz the next one is going to be the SK Wyverns and Sangbangle Raiders so it takes me about a week to two weeks to research and find all of the uniforms and just when I was ready to start recording the Katie Wiz episode with Thomas St. John I discovered that there was a series of player special uniforms that they made I thought oh it'll just be three or four I got a couple of recommendations from KT fans. I was like, great, let's have a look at them. And then I found another one. And then I found another one. And then another one, then another one, then another one. And I ended up finding, I think it was like 15 or 16 player special editions. And that was just in a couple of hours. So total, I ended up finding 38 uniforms that have been released for sale to the public from a team that has been in professional existence for eight years. Sorry, could you give us those numbers again? I, I nearly fell off the chair. How many in, in that amount of time? 38 uniforms, eight years. Damn, their marketing is on point. <laughs> <laughs> um, 38 in that amount of time. Unbelievable. Um, the KT Wiz as well, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but... I kind of like their. I don't. I don't really care that much for their name or their logo. I like their ballpark, and I like that the black. I like the. You're always talking about this as well, like the, like the trimming or the, the extra colorings in the uniform, as opposed to just like the main color. Their stuff is not bad. The, the writing is a little bit strange, and the numbering is a little bit strange. But the KT was uniforms are pretty nice, um, and it would seem pretty cool to me if they would just seriously focus on just a couple of uniforms and just nail those because they're as good as you see in this league. Well, that's what they've done. They're bread and butter uniforms. They're, spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen it, but they're bread and butter day-in, day-out uniforms are the ones that are near the top of the list. And then they've got a couple of specials that ended up being higher, and a lot of specials ended up being lower. But, um, yeah, if you want to know more, then have a look on YouTube for Grand Slam KBO Ranked. 
and just search for Casey Wiz and you'll be able to find it. And then inside of the description of that video, there's a link to the tier list or the tier maker website where you can actually make your own list. And feel free to at Baseball myself or at GrandsonKBO and let us know your list. We'd be happy to see what you end up agreeing and disagreeing with us on. Mm. Good stuff. So, so far, Matthew, Lotte, Samsung, and Katie Wiz. That's correct. Yep. And mm-hmm. SK Wyverns is going to be the next one with a little sprinkling of Sangbungle Raiders on top. Okay. Okay. Um, Just a light dusting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of those two teams, um, we do have a special guest for part two of today's show. And that's Yana Views Agency's uh, Jiho Yu. And from, from what I remember having Jiho on the show in the past, he spent a lot of time watching baseball in Inchon pre SK Wyverns days. So we'll, um, we'll talk to him about um, KBO returning to ballparks um, and our own experiences of that in the second part of the show. But he's a great guest. That'll be fun. Yeah, hopefully we'll have him on later on in the future where we can, we can go down, take a trip down memory lane and, and discuss what baseball was like in Inchon pre uh, the year 2000. So with Gio, as I said, we've been talking about uh, ballparks, fans coming back in. And now unfortunately in some ballparks, fans are, uh, are locked out again and also our weekly uh, KBO Hall of Fame feature. Um, as Matthew was saying, we're also on Twitter. I'm at Grandstand KBO. Matthew's at Chimek Baseball. And we're also on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So let's crack on before we get Gio, Gio on, because it is a really good segment. We recorded earlier on today. Gio has got always has a lot of really good stories to talk about when it comes to Korean baseball. Um, we want to have a quick chat about trades too, but just before that, Matthew, the current um, table situation in the KBO is a little bit lopsided because so many teams are, um, like, for example, the, the Lotte Giants have played 79 games, whereas the Dome-based Game Heroes have played 87. Mm-hmm. But something you did talk about later on with Jiho was just how open this championship is. Uh, Samsung Lions in eight spots were challenging for fourth to fifth not too long ago, like a good run of form, and they'll be back above 500 again. This is an unbelievably tight and interesting and exciting KBO season so far. Oh, yeah. Like, every position is basically open to two or possibly even three contenders. Like, there's four teams that still could potentially be vying for top spot, and Kia, if they have a solid turn of form, might even be able to push for it as well. But I've not seen a season this competitive for a number of years. And just seeing f- seven teams there already playing 500 ball and above is ridiculous. Like, that <laughs> doesn't happen. Yeah. Unfortunately, doesn't. that means that Hammer and SK have been the butt of that. But, yeah. It is Indeed. what it is. It's, it's, it's wild. And the, the, the thing that I, I like the most about this is that the NC Dinos were um, – they weren't untouchable, but they always seem to maintain a barrier of about three to five – games above the second place team and now they're down to half a game and the team that they're just ahead of the key heroes they have to play them on tuesday and wednesday this week just extraordinary that it works out this way as well the anti-dinos swept mm. at home by the lote sorry by the lg twins at the weekend are going up against um the key heroes who look like they are a team ready to win a kbo championship they made it as far as the series last year but they look like they're in better form mm. better shape this year um, and then who can write out? Who can write off the LG Twins? Five straight wins for them. They just don't seem to 
be in, in any sort of a form to, to, to fall away. I, I kind of thought they were the team most likely to drop out, but I really don't see that being the case anymore. And then we have two Sandown to Samsung, and that's quite a battle for that uh, fourth and fifth spot. Nobody really wants to finish fifth in, in Korea. No team has ever finished fifth and won the wild card game. So fourth spot is a really important position to be in. Yeah, very much so. But um, in all of that, we've been talking about your NCs, your QMs, your LGs, your Doosans. We talked about it with Geo as well. KT are in there for once. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see a bit of an underdog story finally play out. And you know what? If they end up getting fifth, I would love to see them be the one that finally breaks the wildcard duck. I'd, I, unless, unless the Tigers finish fourth, I'd almost like to see anybody break the wild card though it could be nice because it's it's not a particularly good system like i think it should just be a one game and the team that finishes fourth has home advantage and that's it it's weird that you mm. can lose one game win one game and then go through you could um, tie one game and you'll get eliminated it's a one and a half game advantage yeah yeah it's weird it's it's really really strange um but yeah they are the kt Wiz are, are are a happy story this year and even looking around as well i, I think the tigers too under matt williams they were so awful last year but uh, seven games above a 500 record. It's I don't think too many people expected that. Um, Doosan mm. are, are obviously not quite as brilliant as they have been for the last five years or so, but as we know, they're still very much in contention for this. And yeah, as you said, all of this means that there has to be two teams that are unfortunately complete garbage this year, and they are the Wyverns and the Eagles. So both of those two teams are probably looking to um, prepare for next season, I would have thought. Um, there's a bit of talk about this on my KBL yesterday. Pinto is still with the SK Wyverns. Um, he's having an awful time at the moment. But there's no reason to change him. They're not going to finish any higher than ninth. Um, they'd have to bring a guy over and stick him in quarantine for a couple of weeks. And still lose money by doing all this as well. So teams like Hanwha yeah. and SK are better off just staying what they have for now. Indeed. Plus, you see at the moment, um, I think it's all finished now because the trade deadline has passed for the KBO. Mm. But there's been a bit of late movement in the trade market, which we haven't seen in recent seasons as well. So that's been pretty interesting as well. The Tigers have been involved in so many trades this year. I mean, I, I, there's always one. They always seem to be involved in one every year, like a crazy mm. four for four trade the few years ago. Is it a Matt Williams thing? Is it the front office? Is it somebody else? But they seem to be constantly involved or rumored to be involved in numerous trades this year. Is that potentially Matt Williams bringing his MLB hat over to the KBO? It could be because um, you see a foreign guy at the helm, like Trey Hillman, when he was leading SK, he would be involved in trades quite often to bring in guys like Im Gi, bring in other people along those lines. And then... Like the team ended up being better for it for a while as well. Like I think he was instrumental in the uh, trade you mentioned where Nosu Guang ended up making his way over towards the um, over towards Munak as well. So it could just be like foreign managers having more of a mindset towards improving the team throughout the season and boosting their playoff potential. Yeah, I, I love the trade, i got to say. And as a Tigers fan this year, seeing them involved in so many was exciting. You can't, you can't mm. be part of a trade without end up losing somebody that you potentially like. And as we know, the Tigers picked up Ruji Hyak, who looks like a decent infielder from Doosan. They, they had to give up Hongon Hee in exchange. I wasn't, I wasn't too upset about that. Uh, the trade where uh, the trade with SK, uh, sorry, with NC, 
when they lost their closer from last season, Moon Chan was it's mm. hard to know how that one's going to work out. But I wish we saw more of those. I really wish we saw more trades in this league. Indeed. More um, trades would make it more interesting, but there's not really enough depth of talent mm. to do that. Like, if the league ever, if the country in general ever expanded its high school baseball program, built it up to a couple of hundred instead of just like 90 schools playing high school baseball and then just develop their youth baseball system to the point where you can support 12 teams. Mm. Then if you had two divisions, you'd probably see a lot more trades between them because then you'd be able to see people going into teams and not playing against them the very next day. Yeah, agreed. Hopefully there might be a change in, in this eventually. But you mentioned the trade deadline has passed, and that means that the Lotte Giants are on a 40-38 and one record for the season, a 5-13 winning percentage. They are not in a position to bring anybody else in. These are the Kia Tigers or the Anti-Dinos who seem to be slipping a little bit at the top of the table. Um, hypothetically speaking, Matthew, if there was one position that you would have looked to strengthen with the Lotte Giants, where would you have looked to have brought in a man? Uh, probably I'd have brought in a starting pitcher. Like, um, it's been well documented that the Doosan Bears have got financial troubles or Doosan Corporation in general. I would have tried to snipe one of their, like, starters, maybe Yui Guan, someone like that. Someone who's got a couple more years in him, but is also fairly low down on their starting rotation. Hmm. Or perhaps uh, one of their long relievers from the bullpen would have been a good target. Yeah, Doosan's bullpen. There's there's probably a couple of guys floating around in there that that are um, might be available to pick up. Yuhi Guan for the season, uh, seven and seven. He's not the most popular player. For every time I read Doosan hmm. fans on my KBO, but seven wins, seven losses, a four ninety five ERA. Um, yeah, if if you think it like it's it's an interesting choice, I have to say it's not one I I anticipated that you would have said, but it's definitely an interesting choice to um to pick a guy like him. Um, from my own personal point of view, everybody who they pick up as an infielder seems to get injured, so I would have assumed <laughs> that potentially another infielder for the Tigers at either shortstop to get rid of Pak Jan Ho. Um, altogether, or at first base to have Yuhi Guan, sorry, um, Yumin Sang sitting on the bench. I would have picked one of those two positions. There was an interesting article about uh, Pak Jan Ho on Naver yesterday. I just read it before I went to bed, and the author absolutely crucified him, um, just going through all of his numbers. And now, like uh, the 55 players who have the most played appearances in the league, he is ranked lowest for batting average, on-base percentage. I think he's like second lowest for OPS. He's got the second most amount of errors for any shortstop in the league. I just think that if you are seriously in contention of winning, of looking to challenge for a KBO championship, you can't have one of the worst shortstops in the league. It's such, a, such an important position. You can't have a guy like yeah. him playing. So shortstop or first base is where I would have gone um, personally as a, as a Tigers fan. But... It hasn't worked out, and like the like the Lote Giants, we're stuck with what we have. Do you think um, Lote have enough? With we're over halfway through the season at this point, not too far over halfway through the season. There's still a lot of baseball to play. Do you, th- do you honestly think Lote Giants have enough in that roster to challenge for a championship? 
Challenge, yes. Will they actually do it? Probably not, because they, at this point, are depending on results of other teams to get them into a playoff berth. And as it is, there's easily four, possibly five teams that are just better than them at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, if they'd had another lights-out starter or even another passable starter for the rotation, they'd have been able to shore up the bullpen a little bit and not rely on the same three guys over and over and over again. And that would have given them something to really push on and work with. But at the start of the season, like I like the way that they've been focusing on developing their own talent rather than trying to get new people in to fill in the holes the same way that the old management did it. But it's another season, I think, until Lotte can really contest it. And they're going to need two solid foreign starters to do it. And off of the back of the season that Straley's having, I'm not sure he's going to be sticking around for another year. He's pretty good. He's pretty he's, good. He's all right. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he, he might pick up some, some interest somewhere else. There's, there's probably a chance. There's probably a chance that Straley might, might pick up a bit of interest elsewhere. Um, I'll tell you what, if Straley doesn't get the starting pitcher role in the all-star voting, then there is something criminally wrong with the voting system. I think, yeah, didn't, didn't, I think Danny Kurtz just earlier on today posted us on like KBO from what I can remember, he did get it. So, um, yeah, um, I, just another piece of information, Matthew, before we bring uh, Jiho Yu in, um, the season reverts to two-game series from now for about a month or so. Three-game mm-hmm. series or two-game series, which is your preference? I think the two-game series, they're just too fast. They're over too quickly. I, I like the idea of a series going to the third game to see who, who takes that one. Yeah, I like the fact that in a three-game series, you've always got some kind of attachment or involvement to it. Like, you can always play for the win if you lose game one. So by game three, you're always interested. Yeah. But in terms of the two-game series, it's just bad for the players because they're just going to be really tired with all of the travel that they'd have to do, I'd imagine. Agreed. And just looking at the table a little bit, thinking about that as well, there's obviously some teams are in a better position than others to maybe rest a couple of the older guys um, or maybe those those players who pick up niggly injuries throughout the season. But this year seems like the one year when that can't happen. If you look at the season last year, SK and Dusan were so far out in front that maybe when it got to this point of the season, they were in a position to start resting a couple of players for some of those road trips. But Kiam are not going to want to do that because they're obviously challenging for first. NC seems to be dropping their um, their top spot. They can't really afford mm. to rest any players at the moment. And all the teams below NC and Kiam are not even guaranteed a spot in the playoffs at this point. So teams are going to have to dig really deep. And those with a better roster than others... I'd imagine our ones are clearly going to make up the um, the top five spots. That's why I just think ultimately the KTWs will drop out because they mightn't have the same amount of depth as definitely the four teams above them and then maybe the Lotte Giants as well. Well, they did just pick up a catcher to try and give uh, Jung sung and whoever they've got catching at the moment a bit of a break. But like losing Otegon in that trade to SK, like, that's a pretty steep loss because that guy can hit really well. Like, I get it. He's playing second fiddle pretty much all the time now to Kang Baiko, but, like, he was a utility guy. He could have played shortstop at a pinch if he'd had a couple of weeks to train on it, or he can also play outfield. Like, that's a really key guy to get rid of. 
just to get a backup catcher. Yeah, I, I didn't, and it's it's Ihungu as well, because the Tigers fan, I know what Ihungu is like, and I don't even think he'd be, I mean, the Tigers are always struggling at, at um, uh, with, with the catchers, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously there's something there that I don't know, that, that they clearly know themselves, but yeah, I kind of like um, Otegon as well, like I know he's, he's a former Lote Giants player as well, isn't he? So like, you'll know him pretty well. Um, yep. He seems like he's a he's a good guy to have as a that's a that's a type of backup maybe that that a side like KT maybe needs when it gets to the, the later stages of the season. Um, mm. I'd be interested to know why that particular trade was made. Maybe there's a couple of injury worries over some other catchers, but he seemed like a good guy to have on the bench for later on in the game. Yeah, almost definitely. Well, I suppose it's not us to know. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's just for us to get angry about on my KBO. I think that's the uh, <laughs> that's the extent of it when it comes to um, just have to corner the guy in the front office, just like who are you? Yeah, <laughs> who's, who's, who's making this decision? Great. Okay, so um, good news a couple of weeks ago. Baseball fans came back to watch games in ballparks. Matthew was one of those fans, and he saw a pretty good game while he was at it. I still haven't made uh, made it to a game yet. I was hoping that this week was going to be the first time. Unfortunately, that hasn't worked out, but. Uh, earlier on today, Matthew and I caught up with Jiho Yu from Yonab News Agency. He's a great guest. We've had him on the show before, and this is what he had to say. Okay, everybody, welcome along to part two of Grand Slam KBO Week 11. Uh, Matthew and I are delighted to say that we're joined by Jiho Yu from Yonab News Agency. Uh, Jiho was a regular enough guest with us in 2017 and 2018, and I'm delighted to say he's back here today. Hello, Jiho. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Matthew. Hello, hello. You know, uh, you with us. I've, been, I've been waiting for your call. It's like, this is episode 11. You guys haven't called me all this time, man. What's going yeah, on? Well, why, why is this? Yeah, I, was, I remember we talked to you before about, um, you were talking about watching baseball in Incheon before Moonhack was built. And this, yeah. I always wanted to get you back onto the show to talk about that at some point. Like, I was going to think like when the season, there's always those dog days of summer in Korean baseball, but. I love those old stories of those ballparks that don't exist anymore, but um, we will be talking to you about ballparks today, but maybe we can hold off on the old Inchon one and um, Suwon, the old Hyundai Unicorns when they were in town for maybe a later episode, if that's okay. Sure. Um, I just, one thing I want to ask you before we go on, and because I know you've been posting about this on Twitter and Facebook, I think as well, because KBO is on ESPN, you're getting your name out there a lot more than I'm guessing you would have done right. before. And right. a lot of people, they love your name. Yeah, you know, there was one reference. Uh, I think it was MLBTradeRumors.com. They cited one of my articles and they cited my name. And one of the commenters said, uh, Yu is an amazingly cool name. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't, it's hard to tell whether... Uh, you know, like that person was being, uh, well, I don't know, slightly racist. I don't know. But uh, maybe it was, it was just in jest. And I, I try to I try to take it in jest, uh, take it in stride, and uh, kind of try to put point at myself as well with their name. So yeah. it, was, it was pretty well, funny. Who knows? If they'd said it in the traditional way, they may have just said it the same way as they say Young EG's name. So you've yeah. never been another UG. <laughs> um, how was... Because um, Matthew and I have done one ESPN show telecast yeah. so far, what did you make of it? How, how did you find uh, being in front of the, the cameras talking about Korean baseball? Oh, it's weird. 
you know, it is definitely a little, um, little strange. It's something that I've never expected I'll do ever. Uh, one, have KBO games on ESPN, and two, for me to be on the telecast to talk about it, right? Um, it just goes to show you how much uh, life has changed so much uh, with, uh, during, the, during the pandemic. And I guess in the early going with, before the start of MLB season, there was definitely more interest in the KBO than there is now, I would think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, uh, it was good to be in the position to kind of, you know, preach to a new audience uh, to talk about how there's much more to KBO than just bat flips. Uh, like you guys have been watching this league for a long time, so you guys can attest to it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of um, you know bullpen meltdowns, a lot of lightning dramas involved, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you can never give up on a, a game. Uh, there's no such a thing as a safe lead in this league. Uh, I mean, you're looking at the first place, Tennessee Dinos. They've got the worst bullpen in the league. So yeah, there's a lot going on uh, just on league front in terms of the international interest in it. And for me to be a part of it uh, in the first uh, few weeks or whatever, that was definitely a cool experience. And also to be on air, you know, because I, you know, I love baseball, period. And I watch a lot of ESPN, uh, you know, Sunday Night Baseball, Wednesday Night Baseball online over here. And then to be talking to those people who, who have been calling MLB games, you know, they were basically at the time they were out of the jobs. So they're calling KBO games because uh, they, they didn't have any baseball, anything else in terms of baseball. And to be on air, to, to be talking to, talking with those people was pretty cool experience for me. You uh, also ended up joining a, um, a show that was moderated by Mark Lippert recently for the Korea Society, yep. I believe. Yep. Like you got to talk with uh, Park Chano, Jerry Royster, and I think it was uh, Kathleen, Kathleen Stevens. Stevens as well. <laughs> yeah. Former, like, former you US kept ambassador. in touch with any of them afterwards as well? Well, you know, Ambassador Lippert and I have been in touch for quite some time I mm. you know I was I was the first guy to really while he was the ambassador I was the first journalist to interview him uh, specifically about baseball mm. and that's how we built our connection then I wasn't obviously covering uh, US em- embassy or foreign ministry at the time but uh, knowing that he was a big fan of baseball and big fan of the KBO I had approached the embassy about you know, doing a story on his fandom of the KBO and then that's how we kind of, kind of became close. And in terms of uh, like Channel Park and Jerry Royster, no, not really. I don't, you know, I don't really know them on a personal basis. And Catherine Stevens, same thing. Uh, I was on the uh, foreign ministry beat briefly when, while well, she was the ambassador, but obviously, you know, she doesn't really remember me. Um, but I was kind of cool to be uh, on air with those people. I was telling Mark, uh, Ambassador Lippert, because he approached me about being on the show. I'm like, see, I don't even know if I belong on the, on the panel list of uh, such a distinguished guest, you know, looking like a former major league player, a mm-hmm. couple of former U.S. ambassadors to Korea and a former, former major league player, former KBO manager. And for me to be on them with, on the show with them, you know, it was, uh, it was part of that whole, you know, increased exposure uh, for me uh, with, uh, with the KBO being on ESPN. Yeah, absolutely. For anyone who's listened to our podcast now that hasn't listened to that, absolutely go and search it out. It's called Answering the Call for Sport in the COVID Era with Channel Park and Jerry Royster. And it's by the Korea Society on YouTube. It's like an hour long and well worth a listen. But um, it's kind of interesting. You've got your name out there a lot with uh, all of these different media organizations. 
But your bread and butter has always been your stuff with Yonhap. And this season, for a very long time, you were actually covering the KBO alone inside of the stadiums, or relatively alone. What was it like going through that, just entering the stadium for the first couple of times with nobody there, just like a skeleton crew? Yeah, so basically there's there's been few reporters, obviously from other organizations and and Yonhab, I'm the only sports writer in the uh, in the uh, English language news department. So I'm I'm in my own. I've been that way for, for a big chunk of the time over the past decade or so. So just walking into um to an empty stadium, my first experience was was to was there's this was during preseason. It was not a game day. It was for LD Twins practice and it was to interview their couple of foreign players who were coming off their quarantine. Uh Roberto Ramos and uh, Tyler Wilson. So this is like late, late April, April. And just to be uh there, even though it wasn't a game day, it was pretty weird. And then my first game was also a preseason game later that month. Um I believe it was like LG and Dusan. And uh, just the sounds that you're able to hear uh, when there's nobody else, uh, it's pretty jarring, to be honest. Like the crack of the bat, uh, just uh, when, you know, when the, when the fielders, they, when, when they even, even when they play a the simple catch, the sound of the ball just, you know, popping into the gloves, uh, in, in the bullpen, from the bullpen, you know, guys warming up, uh, their, their, you know, their fastballs hitting the catcher's meets. The, the whole sounds of it, uh, and also the broadcasters, with the TV booth relatively close to uh, the home plate, the batter's box in Chamshel. Uh, the guys couldn't hear him. If they weren't really locked in on the game, if maybe they were being <laughs> distracted a little bit, they could actually hear what they're saying. Uh, there was how, there was how uh, loud uh, those uh, broadcasters were making, how, how much of a sound they were making from the booth. You know, they were, they have the windows open and especially in the home run calls when the, when the play by play people, they get carried away a little bit and they're, they're screaming and you can just hear it from all over the place. And yeah, obviously all the cracks of the bats on home runs and doubles and also all those extra base hits, hits this, they sound different than a simple like pop-ups and ground outs. Um, so even if you were paying attention, you just hear the crack, it turned and you, you could kind of tell how far the ball is going to go just by the sound of it, the ball coming off the bat. And all that. And also like the, on foul balls, uh, landing on empty seats, bouncing off those uh, concretes and stairs and seats and mm. sounds that you don't normally hear when there's fans out, out in their stands. Um, okay, so let's, let's, have a, let's have a chat about what the, the game day experience is like now. I know Gio gave us some of his thoughts too. So I, I'll admit I haven't been back to a baseball game yet. Unfortunately, this yeah. month there's loads of Tigers games in Jamshill and now I can't go to any of them. Uh, that's just how it is. But I went to a football game at the weekend, and in order to enter the stadium, to download a QR code, and you need to get a, you know, get your temperature checked and fill it, sign a piece of paper. Um, but Matthew, I know, went to Jamshill last week and uh, two weeks ago, maybe, and he saw Lotte Giants at uh, Dusan Bear. So, what was your experience like watching the game back in the KBO, Matthew? It was just fantastic to be back in the stadium, like. Jiho was absolutely right about some of the noises that you hear in the stadium that you just normally would not hear. Like the pop of the ball going into the catcher's mitt is really pronounced. Like you can tell the difference between a fastball and a breaking ball just from the sound that comes out of it now. And same thing, like 
when John Janu hit the Grand Slam home run, like you could tell off of the bat just by the sound mm-hmm. that it's not going to hit the outfield dirt. It's just going to go and keep going, and it did. But in terms of being back in the stadium, it was a bit of a transition getting used to the fact that there's no cheering. Whenever people would stand up, the security would come and ask them to sit down. People who would take off their masks, they would tell them to put them back on. Like They ended up not kicking one person out, but threatening to kick someone out when they refused to put the mask back on. And eventually there was one fan from the Lotte side, unfortunately, who just kept moving to a different block and getting warned by a different security guard every time for like trying to start cheer songs, for trying to do the original stand-up cheer style. Mm -hmm. And eventually he ended up finishing the game in the concourse, just trying to peeking his head out of the exits every now and again. (laughs) Which I wasn't too happy about. But uh, in terms of the fan noise and cheering, like there'd be a little kind of mini explosion of cheers every time there was a hit or a double play or an important strikeout or, I don't know, taking the lead with a grand slam, stuff like that. But... For the most part, like the fans really seem to get into it and really seem to continue that sense of community we've talked about before, where you just have one person starting a cheer and then everyone else getting involved with some kind of clap-along style. It's been really cool seeing how people have transitioned to a cheerless era, basically. Yeah, I wonder, yeah, and we might have to deal with this now for the rest of the year. Um, one thing I love about watching sports, I know you guys agree as well, with like if you're watching a game or if you're at a game, it's watching it back then later on, maybe on the subway home or the next day, and <laughs> you listen to the commentary and you hear the crowd noises of some, like, like the John Junior when somebody hits a, a grand slam or there's another big play. Um, any moments that really stand out for you so far, Gio, and what you've covered that, it's one of those kind of moments that you'd love to watch again and again, but maybe it just kind of lacks the same um, noise or the same experiences that would have been there before. Yeah, you know, my perspective is a little different because I'm not there as a fan. Uh, I don't, mm. I have, I, ha- I never have any horses in any race, if you will. So I'm just there working. Uh, you know, I don't really pay attention to like, I basically tell people, I get asked a lot about if I have a favorite team in the KBO, and I say, you know, whoever plays the fastest is my favorite team that day. Um, <laughs> so, like, the last game I covered was, like, the 12-inning, five-hour marathon between the Heroes and the Eagles. And, uh, you know, the Eagles rookie, 18-year-old kid who, who got the game-winning hit in the top, top of the 12th, and, you know, whoever came out, my favorite team that night. Because, <laughs> you know, otherwise, five <laughs> hours of baseball for a tie, you know, I would have hated that. But uh, at least we got a we got someone who won the game. Uh, that's good enough for me. So yeah, like I don't know if anything really stands out. Um, it's just that I'm I'm there with uh, all the. I'm kind of detached when I'm when I'm there. Okay. Uh, it's work for me. Uh, I love baseball, but uh, KBO, like I don't have any rooting interest. But I'm I, you know, among other members of my brethren, I could tell you there are a lot of band boys out there. Uh, you know they actually cheer for the teams that they cover. So and that's they can be stressful. I'm glad I'm I'm glad actually I don't have to do it because you can get emotionally attached to them. Uh, sometimes it can be difficult, but I don't have the problems because I don't have any um, I don't have any horses uh, in, in the ten team race. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean covering the five hour game, I have been a while. 
was probably the second longest game that I covered. I think I tweeted it out uh, before. Um, but yeah, good thing uh, actually we got a W out of that instead of a instead of a tie. Yeah. Uh, one thing people do seem to love, though, is a good story. And um, we've had one coming up throughout the league this season of Katie Wiz. Like, you've been covering them for a couple of years while they've basically been building, building, and now finally making a playoff push. Do you think this is the year they'll pull it off? I, I don't know. Like, I, I would think that it'd be good for the league if someone like that actually made the postseason um, instead of just having their usual the specs every year. Uh, uh, you know, looking at some of the teams that are, that have huge followings, you look at teams like the Kia Tigers or the Giants, they're the, they're the kind of teams that would be better for the league if they, if they made the playoffs. Like in MLB, people say, you know, it's always better for, the dream World Series would be something like the Yankees versus mm-hmm. the Dodgers, right? So, like for the KBO, I think the dream Korean Series would be something like the Lotte Giants versus the Kia oh, Tigers. I'd love to see that one. Or, uh, <laughs> Or like yeah, the Twins versus the Tucson Bears, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Tucson do, don't really so, think of them as their rivals anymore, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. There's not much of rivalry there, but uh, uh, with the K two words, yeah, I, I think I had a right before the season. I had a feeling that they might. This might be the year mm. that they might be able to correct top five, and then and they had a horrible start with mm. the bullpen issues and. Once they got their, once they got, once they got the pitching settled down a bit, um, you know, they always had the, the bats to kind of compete to hang around, and mm. you know, even though Manuel Rojas Jr. he's had, he's kind of slowed down a little bit, uh, but admittedly, you know, he's kind of regressing to the means, but um, he's been playing really well, uh, still a very strong MVP, MVP candidate, depending on whether they qualify for the mm. postseason. But uh, I, I would like to, you know. This is a great underdog story, right? They've never been to a playoff, never even finished above 500 in any of the, I think, five or six seasons that they've played in the KBO. So if they were to break, break through this year, uh, it would be a pretty nice story for them. Indeed. Um, so, you know, one thing I just want to ask you about there as well is so that Katie Wiz is a nice positive story about how the season's going, but there is one other negative side to no fans being at the ballparks, and that's the the teams are beginning to struggle now financially. And you've written about this quite a lot in the yeah. News Agency. So, was there any, like, what else can you tell us in this? So, basically, like, all these teams, this is a league which, which needs, well, they get a lot of the revenue from bums on seats, as they say. So if you have 10% yeah. or 25%, it's a huge problem. But now for a lot of teams, they're down to 0%. Yeah, you know, this is a very gate-driven uh, league. And, you know, they went first two and a half months without anybody in the seats. And, you know, I think we all know that the Tucson situation on the corporate side, that's pretty well documented. Uh, you know, they might be sold and who knows. Uh, and a bunch of other teams too, because I, I think the difference with KBO and MLB is that uh, the players in MLB, they have a very strong union and they fought for every last cent for their prorated salary, even though they only play 60 games out of a possible 162 uh, during the pandemic. Uh, over here, uh, you know, players don't have a union. They have a players association, but it's not a union. doesn't have a bargaining power. Um, so if the team were, teams were to come out and say, you know what, uh, we can't do this. We've got to cut your salaries. So, you know, you either suck it up, play, or just, you know, do whatever. And mm-hmm. the players can't do anything about that because they don't have a union. They don't have a collective voice. 
Fortunately, they hasn't come to that point. It hasn't gone to that point. There's a little bit of talk about that in K-League, actually, cutting player salary. Mm. But then again, K-League does have a union with the Fit Pro, not in the KBO. So the teams haven't gone to that extent in the KBO in terms of reducing players or even their employees' salary. So I guess which also that kind of compounds the problem because they're paying everybody full salaries, even though they're not making any money from the gates. Yeah. Um, and they basically have to re- rely on their uh, main corporate sponsors, you know, the names that grace those teams like SKs and LGs and Lotte's. And these companies are not doing that great because of the pandemic, right? So yeah. it's a difficult situation for everybody. Um, uh, you know, I, th- I think someone like, some, a, a team like Tucson has, again, their problems being so well documented, so out there, uh, there's constant rumors about the company being sold to another corporation and you know if how they how this gonna affect the baseball club and whatnot but uh, it's just a difficult season for everybody okay it's worrying um is the situation a little bit more grave than perhaps we're led to believe or can the teams are, are in your own estimation or what you may have heard are the teams able to continue like this for another year or do you think something will have to come before them Ooh, not not another season like this no uh, just getting through this year will be pretty tough. Well, okay. uh, so if they were gonna, if they were gonna, if they were to go the rest of this year without fans, uh, that's gonna be hard. Uh, but to to do so again next year, yeah, it's gonna that that, that that's a problem there. So okay. we'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, Matthew, any any more words on on this before we go on to Hall of Fame? I think that's about enough. We can talk about the trade deadline stuff another time. Mm. And for now, yeah, I'm pretty happy to move on to the Hall of Fame. Cool. Thank you for all that, Gio, as well. I mean, it's some, yeah. like some, of, some of the information is great and some of it is scary. But unfortunately, we do have to mm. cover everything. So hopefully the situation resolves itself soon and we can all go back and, and help these teams out. Um, it's week 10 of our Hall of Fame section. Um, this has been pretty popular, I think. Uh, Matt, Matthew tends to have the numbers in this and the amount of people who respond to our nominations. We've had some really good ones and we've had some uh, kind of stranger ones like the Seoul Subway System or um, the Sports <laughs> Complex Station was another one that we had. Um, so <laughs> um, you're, t- you're welcome to um, nominate anything you choose, uh, GOU, to this uh, Hall of Fame and then we'll have it up on my KBO later on today and People will have a week to decide whether or not they agree with your nomination. But I'll let Matthew go first. Matthew, any any ideas? What would you like to nominate this week? Well, first off, I suppose I should share the numbers from the most recent one. We've had a very short amount of time for the votes to come in. And we have a three-way tie between all three of last week's nominations. So one was the first KBO experience for fans coming in. The second one was the 2 p.m. start time for Sunday mm-hmm. games. And the third one was jam shill vendors and not marking up the prices of their products. So, um, yeah, five votes for each of them. So I think uh, given we have a tie, Jiho, would you be kind enough to decide the fate of last week? Yeah, you know, I don't know how the 2 p.m. start got in there in the first place. Uh, <laughs> what was that about? Like... <laughs> that's what we do we choose a person place thing concept or abstract Mm. train of thought and we nominate that towards the hall of fame as long as it's Uh, loosely related to baseball 
I think I'll go with the Chumjil Vendors, oh. the last one. <laughs> All right. So for two weeks in a row, we have a guest coming in and winning it. So Chumjil oh, Vendors are not marking up their beer products. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I guess, I guess my vote. Okay. Well, then right. I'm going to make a hat trick. That's the sixth yeah. one. Yeah, I'm gonna make a nomination. Just something just popped up. I don't know if it's been nominated before. Um, Go on. I think back in the days, I don't remember what year. I want to say maybe late late nineties, uh, early two thousands. Uh, I think Felix Jose, in a one of the brawls, he got so mad. I think he threw a bat into the stands. Oh yeah, yeah. Go <laughs> so I'm go- yeah, I'm gonna nominate Felix Jose's bat that ended up in the stands. How about that? That was nice. a good one. That video is still out there. We might actually yeah, put you see me, right? Yeah, we might put that in the yeah. the, the link at the bottom to this. Yeah, I think that was in Daegu, wasn't it? The old citizen. Yeah, it was in Daegu. Yeah, yeah, it was in Daegu. I think he 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 kind of flung it over <laughs> the over the or something. Anyway, didn't so, he try um, run into the other dugout to continue the fight later on as well? Or oh, was that he might have. Guy? Yeah. He might have. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember that. Like, he just disappeared out of the back of his own dugout. <laughs> and then suddenly there's a brawl erupting in the other team's dugout. It was beautiful. Oh, yeah, that, that man was terrifying. Massive, made of muscle, and just yeah. scary. That's a nice one. Yeah, you, a you've, you've, got to see a lot of them. Yeah, if we can oh, add well, in a link to this, you have a good chance of winning yeah. that. That's a good one. Somebody throwing, somebody hurling their bat into the cheering section of an old baseball yeah. park in Daegu. Good, excellent. Um, Matthew? Uh, well, since we've got a bit of a latte flair, we're going to continue with my nomination, which is, I'm bringing it out, the plastic bags. <sighs> latte fans have a bit of a habit during the... Uh, sixth, seventh inning stretch where they'll just get a load of red or orange trash bags, tie it up into some kind of design either they'll balloon it up or the ladies will just fold it up so it looks lovely like a pair of dragon wings, put it on their head and then they'll wear that for the remainder of the game. I got introduced to this when I went to Sajik for the first time and fans will still do it on the road. Like, sadly, they didn't do it in Jamshield this time during the pandemic era, but um, I'm sure after the league eases restrictions, it'll happen eventually. Those plastic bags in honor of what we have lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of waiting for you to bring this one up. I wasn't sure when you would, but uh, it's iconic. <laughs> There's def- it's definitely an iconic side in, uh, in Korean baseball. Um, probably up there with the shiny jackets in terms of what people will wear at a game. Um, but yes, okay, so we have... Um, bath throwing by Jose, and we have um, orange um, trash bags in her head. I was going to nominate the, the name Jihou because I was guaranteed one vote from MLB Trade Rumors, but I'm not sure if he listens to the, uh, the podcast, so I'll probably pick something else. Um, I'm going to pick the, the KBO scheduling for the month of August. I don't know if you guys have, have noticed, but um, this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, Dusan Bears at Lote Giants in Busan, and then on Thursday and Friday, Lote Giants at Dusan Bears um, in, in Jamshul. So Lo, Dusan at Lote on uh, in Sajik on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then the two teams play each other in Seoul 
And the Tigers as well have a loaded midweek series, seemingly all against uh, LG this this month. So um, I don't know what happened to the the algorithm or the computers or what, however they managed to do this, but there's some absolutely crazy scheduling that's going on this this month. So I couldn't think of anything else to do after 10 weeks of doing this. So I'm just going to pick KBO scheduling. Gio might actually have an idea about the scheduling side of things. Do you know how they decide that at the start of the season? Yeah, I just... Just to get all the 144 games in into a uh, tighter window this year. So mm. three-game series out of the way for now, and then a whole mm. bunch of two-game series. I think that's through the September 27th mm. or something like that. And then they're back to three-game sets plus all the makeup games for the rest of that rest of the season after September something. Okay. So, you know, there's a lot of traveling. So teams down in uh, – you know, Lotes and, and Kias, there's going to be a whole bunch of traveling. So with the Tigers mm-hmm. this coming week, you know, they're playing LG and they're going home and coming back up to play the Kium Heroes, I think, on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And NC travels a lot as well. Uh, and I think SK has like six straight home games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, nice. yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty weird. Uh, but it's hard to... Obviously, to satisfy everybody. Uh, so you got to do what you got to do, man. Get all the 144 games in. I think there's pretty substantial financial incentives to play 144 games, whether or not you have fans. Uh, I guess that's where the TV money comes from. Uh, so the more games you have on cable TV, uh, the more money you get from the TV rights deals. Obviously, the fewer games you play, you get less money from that. So uh, fans or not, there's pretty important financial incentives for teams to have 140 games, 144 games in. Mm. Yeah, there's right. also um, the announcement coming up a couple of weeks from now where any game that gets rained out is going to be made up immediately as a doubleheader. Yeah, yeah. Doubleheader uh, starting um, the week of August 24th. So before, mm-hmm. they, didn't, they didn't use to schedule doubleheaders in July and August just yeah. to protect players from the heat. But obviously, rain has been a bigger issue than heat this year, except for, I guess, this past couple of days. But, yeah, so they're just running out of time. Uh, if you don't play doubleheaders in August, then, hey, you might be end up playing in December, postseason games. So, again, uh, I'm barring sure any... I'm wouldn't mind. <laughs> yeah, the barring any, like, major uh, catastrophic alternative events, you know, they want to end up, they want to play a whole entire season and then the postseason as well. And is there, is there a point coming up as well when, um, it, I think I read before that after a certain date, November. And yeah, November means, 15th. Yeah. yeah, November 15th. They'll all go to the Dome. Oh, yeah, any postseason game that runs after November 15th. So even if it's in the middle, of, let's say a series, if a game three were to end up beyond November 15th, then they're just mm-hmm. going to start that series in Dome. Okay. So that they won't have to, so that one team would have, wouldn't have the home field advantage of others. So anything, any series that ends or begins after November 15th uh, or re- anything that runs past November 15th will be played and dumped for the, for the whole time. That'll Interesting. Cool. Um, do you have a, before we let you go, we're just about to wrap up our show here. Again, thanks so much for joining us again, Gio. But sure. I had to put you on the spot, put you on the spot right now. Um, are the heroes going to win their first championship this year or are the Dinos going to win their first championship? You know, uh, about a month ago on ESPN, I picked the Kyum Heroes versus the LD Twins in the Korean series. And 
I looked bad for about a, two or three weeks. And now I'm looking at the standings. All of a sudden, I, look, I, I don't look so bad now, right? The Euro is in second mm-hmm. place, half a game back. Yeah. LG has won five in a row. So I don't know. I'm st- I guess I'm sticking to it. Uh, Kim versus LG in the Korean series. <laughs> it's a good competitive season this year. Like any yeah. spot from first through to eighth potentially could be in contention for a playoff spot. We haven't seen one this tight for years. It's great to see. Yeah, so just to answer your question, Andrew, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the heroes to win the championship. The heroes to win the championship. Um, if yeah. I had to put you on the same spot, man, we could talk partners any week, but just because Gio has given us his prediction, um, if I had to put you on the spot right now, would you agree with him? Uh, not LG. I would say that probably Doosan will have some late season surges they always do and just pip LG to an earlier spot and put LG into the wildcard game. Okay. I, I agree that, that I think the heroes will probably win that one. Yeah, heroes at this point, like they've got an Addison Russell, they've got a number of guys who can swing for power. Like I don't imagine them finishing outside the top two. And they host the anti dinos tomorrow on Wednesday. Or sorry, I think they might actually go to Chang, whatever it is anyway. Yeah, they're be, Yeah. Yeah, we'll have we could have a new leader by <laughs> by Wednesday night. Um, okay, I think that's our, our, that's our lot done for this week. Um, Matthew, again, many thanks. We'll see no you next problem. weekend. And Gio Yu, um, do you have any future appearances coming up in ESPN that we should look out for? Uh, not that I know of. I usually get to call like two days beforehand or a day beforehand. So I, I guess I gotta let you know, I, I'll let you guys know if, I, if, if that does come up. Please do, please do. And enjoy the rest of the season and hopefully we'll see you in a ballpark soon because you know we're just fans. We don't we don't get those tickets, you know, we don't get those media passes. <laughs> we'll be in first base to third base, hopefully at some point to see you there. Sure, sure. I'm looking forward to that, guys. Right, that's so our show. How can people week. get hold of you then if they if you want to reach out to them on Twitter or any like that, how can people get hold of you? Oh, please don't. Uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, my Twitter, you can find me at Jiho underscore one. This J-E-E-H-O underscore and one, as in numeric one. Um, can, uh, I, don't, I haven't been that active on Facebook, but you can find me in my, my KBO group, Jiho uh, Yu, J-E-E-H-O and Y-O-O. Sometimes I post some random questions, seeking out comments for stories or yeah. some random observations from teams or like some batting practice <laughs> videos and pictures just to make everybody jealous but um <laughs> uh, yeah but other than that yeah you can find me on twitter and facebook um uh, you know my dm's open uh anything that's not gambling related i'm, I'm happy to answer <laughs> good stuff <laughs> so who's going to win tomorrow then um i gotta go to oh, i got 50,000 <laughs> Great. Okay. You know listen, we'll get, yeah, we'll get you back on the yeah. show again. Maybe we can go back sure. down that memory lane, talk about the old days in baseball and in Chan. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.